Hey loves, I'm Marley List and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. You can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the personal level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. So let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Sensual Revolution podcast. I'm so excited that we're here together and that we're going to be diving into this topic that has really guided and shaped my whole life. And I'm sure it's shaped so many of your lives, even if you may not know it yet. The sensual revolution, these two words side by side, innately bridges the micro with the macro, the individual with the collective. So let me break this down for you a bit and also share why I'm starting this, how I got here, who I am, and what our our intention is for this podcast as a community. So bridging the micro with the macro, what does that mean? It means realizing that all of these complex things like major systems, the justice system, the criminal system, the legal system, all of these things at the end of the day are at the beginning of of history. Like they come back to people. They come back to a bunch of people, of individuals with feelings, with emotions, with stories, with lineages. It all comes back to people to humans. And so something I'm so passionate about is the process of humanizing, of rehumanizing this world, which is literally just the opposite of dehumanizing, realizing that we're all people. We all have a story. We all poop. We all cry. We all celebrate. We all dance and enjoy life, hopefully. And if not, then I'm so glad you're here because that is what this is all about. So I want to share with you more about how I realized that the micro and the macro are one. So just for some backstory, my background is in social work. And I remember being in social work and looking at activism and systemic change and all of these things. And I was like, this is so important. Policy change, all of these things so needed. But also I found such a neglect of the self in those spaces. I found a lot of burnout. I found a lot of arguments, right? We'd be sitting in a classroom talking about the importance of policy around mental health. And at the same time, no one would be taking care of their own mental health. We'd all be burnt out AF. We'd be fighting with each other over policy, tearing each other down. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. 
how can A equal B? How can A, us neglecting ourselves and harming ourselves, how can that lead to B, collective mental wellness? How does, how does A equals B? So I was like, there's a dissonance here. As much as this is so important, there's, there's something missing. There's a missing piece. And then pendulum swing style, I swung all the way over to the spiritual healing self-help world. And I loved it. I did my yoga teacher training. I, I lived on tantric communes. I got so deep into meditation, breath work, all of these amazing, amazing practices. But I also found here there was a missing piece. I was like, well, yes, manifestation practices are real and magical. And let's claim those and manifest anything for ourselves. You know, I can sit in meditation and manifest being as epic as AOC in the world or whatever it might be. But the missing piece was we were failing to acknowledge some really real barriers right? And an indigenous, fat-identified, queer woman is, is not going to manifest becoming president quite like a white cisgender man is. And if we fail to acknowledge those barriers, we're, we're bypassing our reality. We're denying a lot of truths that really do affect us. So there was, there was a missing piece on that end of the spectrum as well. And so I started questioning, like, where are the spaces that bring this all together? Where are the spaces that allow us to take care of ourselves deeply, connect to our hearts deeply, turn so inwards that, that our main priority is accessing the fullness of our own joy, and at the same time, care wholeheartedly about the collective, be aware of what's going on in the world, make impact, benefit the lives of those around us. And so this is kind of when I, when I, in my own world, I came to embodied activism. And I started playing around with this idea that maybe if I focused on my healing, it would naturally benefit those around me. And that's kind of the genius of nature, right? Nature is so friggin' brilliant beyond what we can ever really understand. Nature does all sorts of things like placing um, something that is poisonous and is gonna cause like a huge rash for a human, placing a plant like that beside the very plant that's going to heal that rash. Nature is like all up in that wisdom. Nature knows what needs to go together. And so I was like, if that's true for all of nature and humans are a part of nature because we are, even though we tend to forget that, is that gonna be true for our healing, right? If, if part of the ocean starts to cl get cleansed, <laughs> to clean itself, I'm, not, I'm no um, naturist, okay? So this is just analogy, but if part of the ocean starts to become more and more clean, that's gonna ripple out. It's not gonna stay isolated to that one spot. That's not how it works. That's not how matter or flow or whatever. That's not how it works. Right. So, so same thing with ourselves. And when this really came to a head for me was after I experienced rape in 2016. And I had already been on the healing path. I had already been deep in my own journey of self-love. 
I was already studying social work. I was already passionate about feminism, but I was totally disembodied. I was totally in this, this masculine, patriarchally made form of spirituality, which neglects the body, which neglects emotion, which looks down and frowns upon sadness or anger, but allows happiness and peace. I was in this form of spirituality and healing that was not whole. It didn't celebrate all of life and death. It just celebrated some parts of it and frowned on the rest. And so when I experienced that rape, I almost feel like that knocked me out of living in the clouds. And it brought me so low into my own descent, into my own darkness. And I really did, I, I got to a point where I didn't want to be alive anymore. I didn't want to exist in a world where we were treating each other like this, where we were so far from our hearts that we could violate one another and violate our own spirits in this way. And that devastated me. I was like, I was like, since I came here, I've been a little Disney princess. Okay, I've seen color and beauty and singing birds everywhere. And all of a sudden, I don't recognize this world. And when that happened, when I went into the darkness like that, the only way I could stay alive, because I really wanted to check the fuck out, the only way I could stay alive was through making meaning of that hurt through taking all of these deeply destructive thoughts in my head and turning them into creation. And for me, that started with writing. And at first, when I, when I wrote, it would happen all the time. And it wasn't for anything. It was just for the sake of, of needing to create, needing to turn pain into something else. And so I would wake up at like four in the morning and I would write these these poems. I didn't even call them poems. They were just words that needed to come onto paper. And I didn't show them to anyone. And I was still so ashamed of my darkness at that time that I was like, no one's ever going to see these. Right. And then eventually with time, I shared them with my mom first because she was being an incredibly amazing supporter for me. And I was in such a state where I was so checked out, so numbed out, so dissociated and catatonic that I couldn't even tell her how I felt. And she would ask me like, how are you today? What do you need? And I couldn't answer her. And so what I did was I started sliding my notebook across the table and saying, read this. This is how I feel. And then she would know. And so that helped her and that helped me. And I was like, interesting. I don't know if I'd call it a win-win, but I'd call it a heal-heal. I was like, interesting. And then so, I, and then I started sharing it with a few more people. I was like, you know, I have a friend who really struggled at that time with eating disorders, really struggled with that. And that's something we'll talk a lot about on this podcast is body shame, body image, healing that, but that's for another day. So she really struggled with that. And I realized that actually what I was writing about, even though it was specific to healing from this rape, it could be applied to to a lot of people who are struggling. I was like, wow, the, the shame, the disconnection from myself, 
the sense of not belonging here, the sense of not being safe on this earth, like this could apply to a lot of people, no matter what their story is. So I showed it to her and she was like, wow, this really helped me. And again, it was a heal, heal. And, and the beauty of that too, was I started to feel less alone in my darkness, in my pain. And again, I realized I was like, wow, I'm just focusing on my own healing. And the result is that someone else is healing too. And it was all these little light bulbs of moments like that. And so I kept following that thread of a realization that there could be an option where we're not living in a world of win-lose, but we're living in a world of heal-heal. And so I did, I, I did um, report my rape and many of you might've heard this story. I've shared it on so many podcasts. I've shared it in Forbes, HuffPost, BuzzFeed. I've shared it all over the freaking place um, for the same reason, heal-heal. When I share, I feel more freed. I feel empowered. I feel liberated. I feel like I'm not stuck in my own silence. I feel like I'm not alone in it. And at the same time, so many people have said to me, wow, hearing your story, I feel less alone. I feel empowered. I feel like my wants and needs are valid and deserve to be heard. So thank you. And that feeling is mutual. So that's what the sensual revolution is. It's realizing that we can live in a paradigm that's not win-lose, but it's heal-heal. When I heal myself, I heal the collective. And so I did report, coming back to that story, I did report this rape because I didn't know anything else. I was like, I either report or nothing at all. And I started going down the punitive path. And I'll tell you that it fucking sucked. Going through photo lineups, talking with police who had to remain neutral instead of compassionate, because if they were compassionate and implied that they believe my side of the story, how inhumane is that, right? It's like a crying girl being like, this just happened to me. And they have to be like, thank you for sharing. They don't even say thank you for sharing. They're just like, okay, what are the facts? What are the facts? And that's like, can I have a hug? Like, what the heck? Um, and the whole system was like that. The whole system, there was no space for humanness, no space for heart, no space for emotion, right? If I sat on that court, in that courtroom on the stand and I showed emotion, too much emotion, they'd say, she's not credible. She's not stable. Look at her. She's way too upset to even know what she's talking about. She's a blubbering mess. We see headlines like that all the time, unfortunately. At the same time, if I didn't show any emotion at all, they'd say she's stoic, something's weird about her, something's off, we can't trust her. So where is the space for humanness there? And when I sat in that courtroom and I saw my assailant just staring down at the ground, totally checked out, avoiding my gaze entirely, I felt like we were a million, jillion, billion light years apart. And how could reconciliation, how could healing, how could closure possibly happen? if we were in totally different worlds. There's a beautiful um, quote, I forget who it's by and I forget the exact wording, but it's something like uh, when people are, the reason people yell is because when they're angry, they're standing on opposite sides of the world and they have to scream to try and reach each other's hearts. And that's how, kind of how I felt. I was like, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. Here's two human beings who have been deeply hurt. One, me, deeply hurt by this person's actions, by this violation done to my body. 
And then this person, him, so deeply hurt and disconnected from his heart, so traumatized by who knows what, so conditioned by rape culture and patriarchy that disconnects us from our feelings, that he was able to inflict this level of pain on someone else. How hurt does a person have to be in order to do that? And so I didn't see any healing in that room. I just saw a continuation of cycles of that hurt. And what's the best outcome? Is it that he gets incarcerated and sits in a prison and gets madder and more upset, never reflects on what he does, comes out angry, passes on teachings of anger to children he might have one day, and the cycle goes on and on? Where does that end? Where does that end? It's like putting the same clothes in a laundry machine for centuries and centuries. And every time we open the laundry machine, we expect a different outfit to come out. It's not going to come out until someone puts in something new. And so this is when I started thinking, you know, I was like, let me recall the wisdom of my younger self, that little Disney princess style younger self who saw the world with so much beauty, so much vibrancy. And let me ask her what she would do. Because she wasn't jaded by self-judgment or shame. She didn't think she was naive or stupid to see beautiful things. She was just fascinated. She was just like, this world is pretty, man. Like, look at these trees. Look at this ocean. What? So pretty. So I was like, hey, little self, like, if this was your world, what would you do? If everything was possible, what would you do? And my little inner self was like, I would break these cycles of harm and I would ignite something way more beautiful. I would focus on actual healing. I would sit down with this person and I would cry with them. And I would hope that, that when they see my hurt, that something in them would soften, that these really hard walls around their heart would soften and they'd feel so ashamed for a while, they feel so deep in remorse, realizing how disconnected from their own heart they were. But that remorse, that grief, that shame would be an opening, an opening for them to come home to their true nature, to their true self, to their little inner child who was innocent and unconditioned and free of any of these rape culture constructs. And the, the outcome, the outcome, which is so wild for us to say, we're like, this, this girl's head is in the clouds. Like the outcome, it shouldn't be this wild, would be transformation. Would be this, that this person, that my assailant changes, comes back to his, his true nature. That was like my dream. And it was the dream that I judged as naive and delusional for so long until I kept doing that healing work. And that healing work forced me to validate my own wants and needs, to stop judging myself, to stop shrinking my voice, to stop shaming myself for wanting beauty in this world at all. That healing work led me to feel empowered enough to take action, to do research and realize that what I was asking for was already a thing called restorative justice which comes from indigenous Jewish Mennonite communities. And it allowed me to realize that communities have been doing this outside the system for a long, long time. 
that there is such a wisdom to this beyond our Western patriarchal um, mindsets that deem this delusional. And so that's when I empowered myself to ask for this. And, and in short, in short, because it was a back and forth, it was a fight, there were barriers, there were lawyers, there were all of these things. There were times when I said, this isn't gonna happen at all. And I was ready to drop the charges and I made peace with that. And I cried outside a yoga studio. And I was like, this is not what I want to happen, but it's all the only option. And then it did happen. And my lawyer called me and he said, we're gonna get restorative justice. We're gonna get what you, what you asked for. And this is the first time that that's happened in the courts, through the courts in North America. And my assailant started therapy right away. And he went to therapy for six months. And then we met in an eight hour circle where we sat face to face and we turned the deepest effing hate into healing, into closure, into relief into tears, into peace. And eventually, it sounds a little cray, but eventually into love. I don't talk to this person at all. I wanna be clear about that. My definition of forgiveness is, is compassion plus boundaries. I don't talk to this person now. There's an NDA, that's why I don't use a name. But at one point in that circle, I did say, I do have love for everyone in this room because we're all human beings. And so what I realized in that room was that, that, that idea, that life thesis that I was holding, this heal, heal paradigm, it was absolutely freaking possible. Not just in our light situations of, of, you know, a little fight with a friend or whatever, but in these really extreme dense situations where we're dealing with systems like sexual violence in the judicial system. And when I realized that power, I was like, girl, we're about to go off. We're about to go off in this world because so few of us realize that we're this powerful. And by that, I mean that our healing holds so much power in the global picture that truly when I heal myself, I heal the collective. I heal those around me. When I focused on my own needs, my assailant ended up in therapy. I ended up making history in the justice system in this very dense rabbit hole that is the punitive system. And I was like, that's powerful. And what did I do to do that? I looked towards my little younger self who loved her little Cinderella dress. I was like, she has the wisdom. So this, my loves, is what the central revolution is all about. It's what this podcast which is not just a podcast, it's a movement. It's what this movement is all about. And it's this remembrance that when we focus on our own healing, when we take care of ourselves, the world around us benefits. We are Gandhi style being the change that we wish to see in this world. So if you recall in my story, I had that devastation of, well, this is not the world I wanna live in. And there was a moment where I said, well, you know what? If I do choose to stay in this world, I'm going to bring what I do want here. I'm going to make it the world that I always wanted to live in. I'm going to contribute the love, the magic that I feel to be lacking. I'm going to do it through my own body. I'm going to do it through every cell in my own body. I'm going to do it through my words, through my heart, through the way I treat others, through my purpose, 
to the way I live my life. And all of us get to do that in our own unique ways. And it doesn't have to be as, as complex or dramatic as changing the justice system for sexual violence. But I see it all the time with the women I work with because I'm a coach now for women reclaiming sensual empowerment. And I see it all the time. We take these deep dive journeys that focus on healing ourselves, body image, empowering boundaries, feeling safe in the world, feeling empowered in our relationships, asking for what we want, healing past trauma. We do all these things and the result, almost always, after every journey I take with every woman is that their reclamation ripples. It changes the way they're raising their kids. It changes the career that they're in. One woman wrote and directed a play, a survivor made play on ending sexual violence on college campuses. One woman started a conference for trauma survivors healing. One woman started her own sensual desire um, reclamation community and space. She leads her own workshops now. One woman is inspired to work with lawyers to teach lawyers about trauma-informed practices, right? There are really real ripples to our reclamation. And what we need to remember is that younger girls, younger generations, they're watching us and we are all, every single one of us, we are all embodied role models. Let's just simplify this central revolution to one example, one super relatable, digestible example, okay? Imagine that you saw your mother looking in the mirror and she was saying, and maybe it's not your mother, maybe it's like a guardian parent or whatever, someone you really looked up to when you were young. And this person's looking in the mirror and they're saying, oh my God, I'm disgusting. I'm so ugly. I'm so overweight. I'm so gross. No one could ever love me. And you're sitting there and you're like, wow. And then a few years later, you look in the mirror and you copycat, you copy what they did because that's what you learned. That's what you know. That's what you have deemed normal. So that's one example, right? And then let's imagine that that didn't happen, but instead you saw your mom, your guardian parent, whoever it was looking in the mirror and they were saying, wow, I'm so grateful that I'm exactly as I am. So grateful that, that these arms allow me to hug my loved ones, that these legs carry me through such a beautiful planet. I'm so grateful for the way my hair feels when it goes across my back and how it kind of tickles me and makes me smile a bit. I'm so grateful for my heart. And then your little self is sitting there taking notes and years later, you look in the mirror and that's what you remember. That's what you deemed normal. That is the ripples of the central revolution. So that is why I do the work I do. That is why I've made this podcast to remind all of us that our healing is this sacred, is this important. And to realize that when we take care of ourselves, it is not freaking selfish. We need to drop that narrative and realize that our healing is the most selfless thing we can do for our planet, for our world, period. So my loves, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, for tuning in, for being here because the fact that you're listening to this shows that you're already tuned into this reality on some degree, you're already living in the heal, heal paradigm, or you at least have a want to live there. I love each and every one of you, and each and every one of you is deserving of love. 
no matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, that is the truth. So this podcast, we're going to have weekly episodes. They're going to be juicy AF, and we're not going to neglect anything. We're going to bring in um, coaches, guest speakers, healers who talk about the embodied level of healing, that individual healing, that reclamation, that coming home to ourselves, sex coaches, body image activists, all of this juiciness, somatic healers. And then we're also going to talk to those who address sensual reclamation at the systemic level, lawyers, prosecutors, major advocates, policymakers. And with every episode, we're going to realize, holy shit, I am so powerful. If I take care of myself, I'm going to play a huge role in lighting this world up. And Lord knows that our world could use some light. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for breathing deep into your belly. I'm so excited about this journey together. If you're not already, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Marley List, M-A-R-L-E-E-L-I-S-S. I share wisdom. I share little nuggets of gold and sensual empowerment. And if you click the link in my bio, you can even get my free training on reclaiming body love. Super, super juicy and important stuff that I know every single one of us could use. So get your booty over there. It's an Instagram link in my bio. And I'm so excited for all that is to come in this podcast. I'm sending you all so much love and I will see you soon.